Welcome back to another episode of the Biased Opinion Sports Podcast. I'm Seamus Kelly here with PJ Hennessy. Uh, we got a couple different topics today that we're going to talk about. NFL holdouts, uh, recent contract extension that was just signed in the NHL. Um, MLB talk. MLB talk. Big Red Sox weekend. Um, oh, and plus in the NHL, uh, New Jersey Devils made another big move. I'm, on the, I'm fully on the New Jersey Devils bandwagon, so I want to get to that a little bit later. Um, oh, and we're discussing a little college football. Quick little segment. Preview to our college football preview that, sh- that will come in a few weeks. So uh, let's get it started with some NFL talk. Another training camp's begun. There's been some holdouts. Uh, yeah. Tell us about these holdouts, PJ. Yeah, let's start with Ezekiel Elliott. He's got two years left on his rookie deal. Making $8 million this year, $9 million next year, which isn't, isn't bad for a rookie deal. Wants Todd Gurley money. Holding out. Not really sure how long this holdout's gonna last for. Whether he'll carry it on to the into the regular season or if they'll agree a contract extension. But I think the Cowboys. I mean, they need they need to pay Zeke. They spent the first they've spent the fourth overall pick on him. The whole offense runs through him. I don't I don't see a way where they don't pay Zeke. They got they gotta give him his money. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and a lot of people are saying, oh, running back doesn't matter anymore in the NFL and. I do think that running back isn't as important as having a good O-line and that a lot of running backs can get look good in the right system. But, I mean, when Zeke was out two years ago, I believe, Zeke was suspended, um, and the Cowboys were a joke. They looked awful without Zeke. And people now people are like, oh, the Cowboys don't need Zeke. The Cowboys will be good with anyone. That's just not – Dak couldn't – Dak looked awful when Zeke was out. I don't know how that really – I mean, Dak, I guess they are defending the pass more instead of stacking the box and rattled Dak. I don't know. But the Cowboys' offense was a joke without Zeke two years ago. I don't think why people think that will change now. Uh, Zeke's kind of the heart and soul of that team, it feels like. Like you said, fourth overall pick on the guy. It's a pretty bad look if after three seasons you just... He spent a fourth overall pick on a running back. and he, You have to deal with the consequences. Yeah, and it's not like... It's not like he's... Like a... Like... like I don't know. It's... You can't afford to let him leave and go to some team that is going to come back and bite... It's going to come back and bite you eventually. I don't know. I just don't... I don't see the point in... I think Jerry Jones is going to pay the guy. I don't I don't think there's a hold that's going to last too long. I don't really see how he has much leverage because he has two years left on his deal. And right? also, like, a thing against him is his disciplinary record, like getting suspended yeah. almost every season. But I don't really think that should matter. You should be able to straighten that out pretty easily. And he's not really injury-prone. He's always available. And I know running backs don't last all that long, but I think Zeke will be... I think he'll last until he's 30, 31, 32, yeah, I think. He's only 24 now. I mean, you they should pay the man. I wouldn't, I wouldn't. If I'm the Cowboys, I give him the contract he wants. Get this over with. This is supposed to be the Cowboys' year. Signed Amari Cooper. They extended him, whatever. Um, they still have to pay their quarterback, though. Dak, well, that's the thing. This is, won, the, this he is, is the big year. This deal. is the year. Unless, I don't know. Like This is what I'm saying. This is the Cowboys' year. Their defense finally is looking like a legit defense with uh, Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith, the linebacker. It's a good core right there. I don't know. If I'm the Cowboys, I pay the man, try to win a Super Bowl this year. But it's the Cowboys, Jerry Jones, so who knows what happens. That guy's insane. Um, yeah. Moving on? Sure. Melvin Gordon? Sure. You, you can start off Melvin Gordon. Another running back hole, though. Melvin Gordon, uh, he's one year left on his rookie deal, I believe. Um, he's not showing up to Chargers training camp. Chargers, notoriously cheap franchise. They don't. They they're always the last team to sign their first round picks. Uh, they always have contract holdouts. Eli Manning didn't want to go there for a reason way back when. They always have. They always have 
problems paying guys. They're notoriously cheap. Probably the cheapest organization in the NFL. And Melvin Gordon wants to get paid big money. Uh, Chargers don't really want to pay him because I guess they don't value the running back position that much. Um, and Melvin Gordon is pretty injury prone, unlike Zeke. And at the same time, the Chargers pretty much have all the leverage here because I believe they can just franchise tag him if he doesn't sign up for this year for the next two more years. And it's money that they're just wasting on a guy who's not going to play for you, but Melvin Gordon's not going to sit out three straight seasons. He's going to, I don't know. Like, Melvin Gordon doesn't really have much leverage here. Um, I don't know. What do you think about this? I, I would not pay him. I think they have, like, two backups that are already... Justin Jackson and Austin so Eckler. That, yeah, those guys can easily just run the football. I mean, they're both they're both kind of small. That's what people are worried about. Although mm-hmm. Justin Jackson last year when he replaced him was really good. Eckler's a good player, but I don't know. I mean, how he big got, of a he difference? He got hurt too last year. Did Melvin Gordon play against the Pats, or was he injured then? I I don't remember. They lost thirty five to nothing. Yeah, so Mel- in the first half. So what difference did he make then? Melvin Gordon. He, I don't think the I Chargers. Mean, prone. The Chargers and, winning a Super Bowl is not dependent on Melvin Gordon. I don't think. I agree. I mean... They can survive without him. And Phil Rivers even said that. Phil Rivers said they're deep in the running back position and we don't need Yeah, him. and the, the thing is that, like, offended Melvin Gordon. He so he was on Twitter, like, he said, oh, it's crazy that they're saying that or whatever. I don't know what he said. I don't think the Chargers need Melvin Gordon to win. Melvin Gordon kind of misinterpreted what Phil Rivers was saying, I think. You don't... Uh, I don't... I still think Melvin Gordon needs another good season before he gets paid. I think it'd be best if he just played, had a good season, and then... Well, he's so injury-prone, he's risking... That's probably why he's holding up because he doesn't want to get hurt. I guess and he wants to get paid before he, he wants to get his money before he gets hurt again, and I get, I mean, his career could be screwed. I guess they're time. supposed to be like two or three million apart in negotiations. I mean, I want, yeah, I saw that. I want to give Melvin Gordon more than like ten million. He's making five point six right now in his rookie deal. Yeah, it's ten million would be a lot of money for Melvin. Like, I mean, I just think he's. I think Melvin Gordon's a good player. He just he can't stay healthy. He's only broken a thousand yards rushing once in his four years in the NFL. He does score a lot of touchdowns, but only a thousand yards once. Touchdown machine. He can catch the ball too. Yeah, he's he's a three down back. His receiving stats are pretty good. He's a three down back, but I think you can easily replace him. I mean, the thing is, he could be in a Le'Veon Bell situation if, say, this holdout lasts into the season and the Chargers, say Eckler or Jackson, one of the or both of them have great starts of the year and they're putting up numbers and the Chargers are winning. What is Melvin Gordon to do? He's screwed. He is screwed. There goes his value. It's just like Le'Veon. It's going to tank. Le'Veon was lucky to get like $13 million a year well, he's from lucky the Jets. To, the Jets GM's an idiot, and then it got the Jets GM fired. It, it, it did. <laughs> Before the season even started, it got the Jets GM fired. So Melvin Gordon would make, like, what, an 8 $9 million max if that's what happens? If that's the scenario? I, yeah, and it, I mean, I don't know how much this will affect it, but say Le'Veon on the Jets, which I don't think he's going to be very good this year, struggles to start the season. Say he's in a bad season. People are just going to be, I don't know. Like the running back position, it's like becoming a trend that it doesn't really matter. Uh, uh, like a lot. All right, in the in the playoff game, Melvin Gordon had nine carries for fifteen yards and one touchdown against the Pats. I think that's easily. I think replaceable. he was playing hurt. That's replaceable. Uh, yeah, it def. I mean, I don't know. We'll see. I think what's going to happen is, my guess is it will last a few weeks into the season. And depending on how the Chargers are doing, that's gonna. If the Chargers are winning and those the other two guys are doing good, I don't think they're gonna sign Melvin Gordon or they're gonna sign him at a significantly reduced price from what he wants. He's just gonna suck it up and agree to a deal that gets him his money, guaranteed money, and he gets his contract. Or they're not gonna sign him at all. Maybe let him walk after the season and draft somebody else. If but I mean, Justin Jackson could be the future there. Or you don't even need it. Yeah. yeah. But the, similar to Le'Veon, though, he was a first-round pick. He was, like, 
25th overall. 25th overall. I mean, how many years I got him? Four? Yeah. So, I don't know. That's a tough situation. We'll see how it plays out. But my guess is that it's going to last until the season. And if if the Chargers suck to start the year and they're losing games and Eckler is injured fumbling or the fumbling the ball or something or Justin Jackson's not doing anything, then uh, Melvin Gordon's going to get paid. He's going to get his money. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, it could go either way there. Uh, any other holds you want to talk about? Michael Thomas. Let's talk about Mike Thomas. So, Michael Thomas has one year left on his rookie deal, making like a little over a million. Saints offered him like 18 or 19 million to make him the highest paid receiver in the game. Michael Thomas turned it down hold, and then is holding out for over $20 million. I, I find this ridiculous. If I was Michael Thomas, I would take the contract. He's, Saints are offering you to become the highest paid receiver in the game, which he's not the best receiver in the game. He's maybe borderline top five, but he's not. Who are, well, who are your top five receivers in the game? That's important. Who, he, where would you rank Michael Thomas? Give me your rankings of wide receivers. Michael Thomas would be below Antonio Brown, DeAndre Hopkins, OBJ, and Julio Jones. So if you want, and then he's in the category with AJ Green, Devontae Adams, and whoever else you want to throw in there. He might be the best right. of that bunch, but he's not. He's not in the top four. Okay, that's a fair point. So, to be and to be offered nineteen million by a championship contending team with a Hall of Fame quarterback. The team that drafted you in the second round, who's developed you, he's also he's been a great player. He's been available, no off-field drama, but still, you're getting offered nineteen million dollars, and you're gonna want to set I mean, the market. You also think his agent. You also think his agent has a big influence on this. This holdout. A lot of times, the agent's telling the guys to hold out to get more money. And obviously, I mean, it would accepting like you can't. You can definitely t- say that he sh- he should just accept this contract. It makes sense for both sides, but at the same time. I think he actually has a ton of leverage in this situation because who is the Saints' number two wideout? If Mike, this is the Saints have maybe like two years left on their window, right? Okay, they didn't offer when Drew Brees like, is done. The Saints aren't are done. Sure. So how Drew Brees is like thirty nine. So you're but, just gonna suck out all the, all your team's money. The Saints offered him a good contract. They didn't lowball him like the Chargers did with Melvin Gordon or the Cowboys first did with Zeke. They gave him a great offer. They made the highest paid receiver in the game. I know, but and you're out there looking. Well, you for also don't know how much guaranteed money he got offered. Maybe it's about guaranteed money. You know, he's know. 26, and if he just takes a four year at 19, he can cash in again for probably the same price. Probably more. Yeah, I mean, he he. You can make the argument that he should have accepted that contract, but you can't fault the guy for trying to get. He he knows he could get more money out of this, and I think he will. I don't think the Saints are going to go into this season with Traquan Smith and Tommy Lee Lewis or whoever the number. Their third receiver is Ted Ginn. Ted Ginn is their number one wideout. With th- maybe this might be their last year as a true contender. I don't think so. Uh, they already lost Ingram because uh, of miscommunications and contract negotiations. I think they're gonna pull the trigger, give Mike what he's worth. I also think he's holding out because he wants to wait to see what Julio signs for. Right. So the Falcons could screw him. The Falcons, the Falcons could, could offer could Julio twenty five million. Well, Julio, so what's Michael Thomas gonna want? Twenty six. Julio's. I don't know. But the thing is, Julio, Julio's not holding out. Julio's playing. Julio doesn't care. You gotta respect that. He, he already has a contract, though. Michael Thomas is making a million bucks. Well, yeah, Julio's yeah. making somewhere over 10. I don't know what the exact number is. Yeah, so. he's, he's getting re-signed. Julio's focused on football. Mike's focused on his contract. That's a little concerning if you're a Saints fan. I don't know. But well, if you're the Saints, do you offer him? He says no to $19 million. I'm not signing. I'd rather sit out. What do you do then? The Saints can't just say... The Saints aren't like the Chargers where they can say, all right, let's just see what our other guys can do. 
you know Traquan Smith isn't putting up Mike Mike Thomas numbers. You know Traquan Smith isn't getting open against number one corners. I, if I, I don't know. If I'm the Saints, I'm kind of rattled. You have to be rattled because you have no leverage here. You're, you need to pay him, no matter what he wants, basically. I don't know. He's Also, I looked it up. He's 77th in yards per catch last year. He Mike Thomas? Well, Drew Brees doesn't really throw the ball down the field anymore. 77th in yards per catch, getting over $20 million and setting the market. If you walk, he can, he can get It's not that he can't get open downfield. I don't know. He's a very good player. It's just, that's the system they run now because Drew Brees doesn't really have the arm he used to, especially at the end of the year last year. Or you can try and trade Michael Thomas and get somebody else. I guess you could try to trade Michael. I don't think they're trading Michael Thomas. Mm-hmm. Who are you going to? I don't know. Number one receivers are pretty rare in the NFL. There's a reason all these John Ross and guys like that go like top ten. Number one receivers don't grow in trees. If I'm the Saints, I just so you pay him twenty three million. I pay him what he wants. Yeah, you it's you're all or nothing this year. Unless you think Teddy Bridgewater is a franchise QB in this <laughs> this this Saints success run that you've had the last decade with Drew Brees is going to continue with Teddy Bridgewater, which I like Teddy Bridgewater, but I I don't think this team is a contender when Drew Brees retires. Drew Brees is a legend. This team is automatically worse when he's gone. So you have like a two-year window, I think, as a Super Bowl contender. You have to pay him what he wants. I don't think he's worth $4 million more than DeAndre Hopkins or $5 million more than Antonio Brown or $3 million more Maybe than... Maybe not in a vacuum, but he's worth more to the Saints than... twenty. Michael Thomas in $23 million less in cap space is worth more to the Saints than $23 million in cap space and no Michael Thomas. He's worth that to that team. I guess. I he fits know. perfectly in that system. He's, he gets open every time down un, underneath routes. Him and Drew Brees have great chemistry, obviously. He gets like, I would have signed the contract and thanked the city for welcoming me into, into New Orleans and saying yeah, ready for a championship run and getting the practice. You, but at the same time, you don't know what the guaranteed money was there. His agent probably had an influence well, okay, on that. What's he going to do, fall apart? Guaranteed money. If you play all four years, you get all the money. Look at Andre correct? Johnson. If you get... If you play all four years, you get all the money, right? Yeah, but it, say it, say he goes and like tears his Achilles tomorrow, cut. See ya, no money. He's not tearing his Achilles. That that's you can't just say that. It could happen. Anything I, I can happen. Be it's football. It. It's the NFL. Anything else in the NFL was? No, I'm done with the NFL. Done with the Michael NFL. Michael Thomas should just sign the contract and get back to work. Michael Thomas should get what he's worth to the Saints. Saints should pay the man. They got like one or two years left. All right, now moving on to uh, the NHL a little bit. Let's talk about Andre Vasilevsky, Tampa Bay Lightning goalie. Just signed a big, huge contract extension. Eight years, $9.5 million per year. He's 26 right now, so it runs till he's 34. Uh, how do you feel about this? Third highest paid goalie in the NHL right now. I like the contract. I think you got to pay your franchise goalie when you get him. And it doesn't hurt him. Next year he's getting what he was on his previous contract, like $3 million or something. Eight nine nine million kicks in in twenty twenty season. I don't. Yeah, you can't you can't lose Vasilevsky. He won the Vesna this year, I believe. No, he, was it last he, year. He, was, he came in third this year, I think. Was he, it twenty eighteen? He won then? the Vesna two years ago. Two years ago, I believe. Vesna winning goalie. Maybe not even in his prime yet. He's uh, all. He's also a big goalie. Big goalies are hard to find too. I think. Uh, yeah, I think you gotta keep a him. Big goalie, and they got rid of him. A big. Big Vesna winning goalie, and they got rid of him. And Ben Bishop. Ben Bishop, uh, he gets injured all the time, and he's over thirty. Andre Vasilevsky got injured this year. You won't. And at year. the time, he wasn't over thirty. This is, all right. Whatever. We don't need to talk about Ben Bishop's contract negotiations with the Lightning from 
however long ago. Andre Vasilevsky, I think this is a bad decision by the Tampa Bay Lightning. Andre Vasilevsky is an alright goalie. He's a good goalie. One of Vezna, he's a Vezna candidate this year. But at the same time, you have to look at the team in front of him. He's playing behind arguably the best on-paper NHL team we've seen in a very long time. I don't know. You can agree with that? Yeah. And that matters a ton with goalies. Who's in front of you? If you look at Tugarath's stats from the beginning of his career, he looked like he was the future of the league, best goalie in the league. And then the Bruins' defense fell apart. And everyone's saying, oh, Tuka's overrated. Tuka's not that good. And now the Bruins have a good defense again, and he's back. And Tuka's a good goalie, but your stats and your numbers are significantly swayed by the defense in front of you, the quality of shots you face, the game script. If, you're lo- if your team sucks, your stats are going to well, look that's bad. That's not Vasilevsky's fault. It's not Vasilevsky's fault. But what I'm saying is when your backup goalie, Louis Domingue, Domingue, whatever his name is, who you get from the Arizona Coyotes, like a Coyotes, Coyotes cast-off, <laughs> went 21-5 and with this Lightning team this season. <laughs> When Vasilevsky was injured, twenty-one and five, and you're paying this guy nine point five million a year because he's—is he really nine point five million? You could get Louis Domingue for Maybe a million and a half. He's setting the market. Should, should we ride with Louis Domingue and try and win a Stanley Cup with Louis Domingue? No, I wouldn't. I would wait this year out to see. So he was a restri- he has a year left on his current contract, uh-huh. and then he's a restricted free agent. You are not losing Vasilevsky. Nobody's paying Vasilevsky nine point five million just to lose four first round picks for a goalie. Who's played in the best system in the NHL the last four years, regular season. We'll talk about playoffs in a second. So rather than the highest paid goal in the league is Carey Price at ten point five million a year. Mm-hmm. Vasilevsky has one year left on his deal and now he's making nine point five million a year. At best, maybe he brings his team and they win the Stanley Cup. That's like the best case scenario for Vasilevsky. He wins the Stanley Cup next season. That would push his value up to be he'd probably become the highest paid goal in the league after next year. So give him eleven million a year, say. That's one point five million more per season. That's not worth. So like, is really is signing him this early really worth that saving one point five million per year? That's nothing. That's that's pennies, especially because the salary cap's gonna go up soon. One point five million a year means nothing. So. Why not? I don't understand why the Lightning felt the need to pay the guy now, when he's coming off a sweep in the first round of the playoffs behind the best supporting cast a goalie could ever dream of in the NHL where he had an 8.56 save percentage minor <laughs> league material and a 3.82 goals against average in four games against a Columbus team that barely made the playoffs Andre Vasilevsky that's what he had and you just paid him 9.5 million a year this guy's had the best supporting cast in the league the last two years and he can't he, he's, he's done nothing in the playoffs he has never made a Stanley Cup Finals when Carey Price got his big contract, he'd already won MVP of the league as a goalie. Almost impossible to do. Andre Vasilevsky's never been on that level. He's never never approached that, and he's never done any. It's not like he's had playoff success to back it up. These guys either get paid because they have playoff success, or they have insane regular season success. He won a Vesna, best goalie in the league. He won a Vesna behind this supporting cast, and he only won a Vesna because of his stats. And his stats are boosted by the supporting cast. And then in the playoffs, he goes and stinks it up. Nobody and, and, the, and on top of this, he's going to be a restricted free agent in a year. So they're not like, it's not like they're going to lose him. And if they do lose him, they get four first-round picks, or they can just match the contract. And nobody in the league is going to give him more than... Bobrovsky, I think Bobrovsky's a better goalie than Vasilevsky. He got $10 million a year as an unrestricted free agent this year. So Vasilevsky would probably get about the same if he was an unrestricted free agent. Never mind. He's re- like, nobody's going to offer sheet him. So you want more like than... a four-year deal or something? 
No, I don't. I just wouldn't pay him till after next season. I would wait out next season because and the Lightning are, are you pay the Lightning him? are make or break. They were make or break this year. This was their year, and they choked. They sucked in the playoffs when it mattered. Right. So, why would you commit to this guy long term when your team? You have no idea what this team is anymore. You're not getting any better. Kucherov is regressing to the mean. He's never doing that again. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. You already lost JT Miller, first line power play. Your your team is not getting any younger. Your team's like Hedman. That guy can't stay healthy anymore. No, he Hedman peaked. Hedman, Hedman looked bad last year. He peaked. McDonough's not getting any younger, and McDonough's locked in for like nine years, seven million <laughs> a year, and he's thirty right now. And I'm talking like nine, like eight more years or something. I don't, I just don't get this contract by the Lightning. It's just they it just seems, like they, they panicked or something and they just pulled the trigger too early. Why not wait this year out? Give Louis Domingue more playing time. See what he can do. Like, you can. You're telling me that, in my opinion, you could get a mid-level goalie for like two, three million. Yaroslav Halak, so Peter Morazic, someone like that. Do you think any goalie could be good in the Lightning? Is that what you're saying? Any goalie could be, maybe not as good, but I think they could get you to the playoffs as a one seed, and I think they could do better than eight, five, six goal save percentage <laughs> in the playoffs. Yes, what about, easily. What about in five years when the team's not as good? Well, they, exactly. This team is that guy is not going to carry you. I don't. I don't think he's. I don't think he's that type of goalie. He's not Carey Price. See, guys like Carey Price, they were. Your, he was the Canadian's only player for a while, really. If you think of it, he was playing behind an awful team, and he won MVP for a reason. And whenever, whenever he was hurt, that team was a joke. So like, he proved that he carried that team. Andre Vasilevsky, mm-hmm. his backup won twenty one and five. He's never proved that he can carry this team. He's not the reason for this team's success. The guys in front of him are like the seven nasty forwards and two franchise defensemen they have are the reason they're so good. They're so good. This just reminds me of the the John Cooper extension. Their head coach. Yeah, they extend this guy way too early before he's proven that he's truly can win you a Stanley Cup. Yeah, their coach is he's no good. I just yeah he's not he's awful, terrible coach and I mean this the franchise, I don't know they miss Stevie Y right now. Stevie Y ain't giving him this contract. No, he's not. This, I don't know. You, they, I just don't understand why they give it to this contract to him now. What, at best, his value goes up $1.5 million a year, at the most. It's not going up any more than that. You got to keep your franchise goalie happy. But is he even a franchise goalie? He is yes. not. What makes him a franchise goalie? His eight five six playoff save percentage? No, or his backup going 21-5 no, when Vez, he was out? His Vezna 91 in 2018. So every goalie that's won a Vezna... And his high ceiling. He's got great potential. He's, he's 26. 25. He's about to be 26. He's not getting any better, really. Sure he will. He's already, on, he's already going down. He's already getting worse. He's already peaked 2018. You just said it. And his playoff performance is getting worse by the years. We'll see. He's gonna, he might bounce back this year. I, I just I don't understand this contract. I don't, And they still need to sign Braden Point. I don't know why they're focused on a guy who's not a restricted free agent for another year when their superstar center... Who's like twenty two years old and absolute, like Braden Point's a legitimate superstar first line number one center, well, and he's a restricted has... free agent right now, and you're not signing him. <laughs> but you're worried about your goalie, who sucks in the playoffs, who's not a free agent for another year, this restricted. Guy, this this guy's, makes no sense. This contract has no impact on Braden Point. Well, I just don't understand why they're focused on signing him when they could be talking to Braden Point right now. I'm sure they're doing both. I'm sure they got a plan. I I sure hope so because they have five and a half million dollars in cap space right now, and they still got to still got to pay Braden Point. They'll, they'll Where get, are they getting that money? Their entire every single player that makes over two millions on a no move clause right now, basically. Maybe a bridge deal. 
Brandon Point ain't taking a bridge deal. If Sebastian Ajo ain't taking a bridge deal, why would Brandon Point take a bridge deal? If Mitch Marner's not taking a bridge deal, why would Brandon Point take a bridge deal? Brandon think, Point's the best of those three. I think the, the Lightning, they know what they're doing. They assembled the best team in hockey. I don't know if they know what they're doing. They assembled the best team in hockey for a reason. And then they extended John Cooper before the playoffs started, and he got swept by Torts. And Torts is one. a great coach. You swap There's coaches and the Lightning win. Tor- torts can't keep his... Tor- All the players hate Torts. Nobody wants to play for Torts. Bobby's gone. Panarin's gone. They wanted to play for him in the playoffs, and they were beating Tampa Bay. And then they choked against the Bruins. They lost against the Bruins. They didn't choke. They swept the best team in hockey, and then they lost in six. Yeah, if they won that series, they wouldn't have won at all. Well, they didn't. So, I just don't understand how you pay Vasilevsky now. It doesn't make any sense. There's just no reason to. Unless you're really worried that Vasilevsky's going to win MVP next year, which isn't going to happen. And his value is going to be like $18 million a year. It's just not going to happen. There's no way Vasilevsky's value would go up. I got, I got nothing more this to add. Bad, it's just bad, bad GMing by the Lightning, in my opinion. You got to step it up if you're the Lightning. This team is, that just seems like a franchise that's panicking right now. They don't know what they're doing after this first round exit. They don't know what's happening. They don't know what to do, and they know they're not getting any better. They're just losing players and they can't add anything. They're screwed. They're just trying to. They're just hoping something works. They're throwing stuff at the wall and hoping it works. They're hoping something sticks. <laughs> they, they, they missed their window. They did miss their window. Their window was the last two years and they blew it. So what happens when I don't know, I don't know. Just bad GMing. That's all I got to say about that. Uh, also, we'll talk about uh, Devils real quick before we get off the NHL. Um, they signed uh, Gusev, Nikita Gusev or something. Yeah, why couldn't the Bruins get that guy? Because we don't have money. Why but don't anyway, we have money? Because we're paying David back his $6 million a year and we already have our, we already got our core locked in. The Devils, the Devils' first two-line centers are both on rookie deals right now. Our first two-line centers are combined $13 million. It's, it, it causes issues. But anyway, Devils. I'm fully on the Devils bandwagon this year. I was before this. I was before the Wayne Simmons trade. I was before... I've been on the Devils bandwagon for a while now. I think they're going to be good next year. But uh, this guy, I think this really just pushes it over the edge for me. I'm all in on the Devils next year. Obviously, Bruins fan first and foremost. But uh, Devils are my sleeper. Dark horse pick. They could also miss playoffs. That division's kind of stacked. Not really stacked, but a lot of teams that are like equally as good. And obviously, you still got Crosby, uh, Malkin, Ovechkin, whatever. I still think Devils are going to be a good team. You got Jack Hughes, Nico Hishier. You got Gusev, KHL all-star, superstar, best player in the KHL. Some guy that Sweeney couldn't scout and get. Obviously, you have Taylor Hall, league MVP when he was healthy. Last time he was healthy, he won league MVP. Uh, You got Kyle Palmieri, hometown hero, New Jersey legend. Wayne Simmons, Beast, Miles Wood. I guess he was decent in college. Uh, you have Will Butcher, former Hobie, Hobie Baker winner on defense. You picked up P.K. Subban. I mean, the guy's been one of the closest players in the NHL for a while. Playoff performer. Scores big-time goals. He's definitely on the down. down. He's declining, but I still think P.K. Subban's a very good player. Um, yeah, I like, I just, I don't know. I like the Devils next year. And for the future. As long as Taylor Hall stays. Which, if the Devils season starts off bad, I think they should trade Taylor Hall at the deadline because he's going to walk if the Devils aren't good next year, I think. Unless they give him a ton of money, but we'll see about that. Uh, yeah. Anything you got to say about the Devils? Is Nikita Kusev going to make up 30 points that they need to make the playoffs? Taylor Hall's coming back. Jack, they're, they're basically adding Taylor Hall, Jack Hughes, P.K. Subban, 
Wayne Simmons, and Nikita Kusev. Has Nikita Kusev played in the NHL? No, but Artemi Panarin never played in the NHL when he went off. That's one, that's one player. Kovalchuk? That's two players. Pretty much every Russian. So you think this guy's going to be good? Like, what, How many points is he going to get next season? I, don't, I mean, that's pretty tough to predict, but I mean, it also depends what line he's on, who he's playing with. Six, put him with, put him with Jack Hughes. Yeah, put him with Jack Hughes. I'll give him, I don't know, fifty-five points. Fifty-five points. As a rookie, it's like twenty-six. Jack Hughes has a long way to go. Well, that's why you got Nico Hishier there as your number one center. That's why you got guys like Taylor Hall there to bring him along the way. Doubles are assembling a good team right now. They have a very good top six. And Kyle Palmieri is a good player. And the goalie. We'll see. Mackenzie Blackwood, he's a good young player. It's a second-round pick, I think. Second-round draft pick. He's a good young goalie. He had a solid year last year. Devils Devils have a good chance to make a very big jump next season. And they're in... Well, they have a lot of cash base and they com- used it well, in my opinion. They're in a very competitive division. They are, but the Penguins aren't getting any better. The Penguins lost Phil Kessel. Didn't really add anything. Uh, they still have Malkin doesn't care anymore. Malkin doesn't even back-check anymore. Malkin's just... Yeah, they're still the Malkin Capitals. Coast. The Capitals also aren't getting any better. Not, not getting that much worse. And they're getting young, they're getting older. Backstrom Backstrom is not getting any younger. Even Ovi's not getting any younger. Devils are gonna miss the playoffs. The Islanders didn't do anything. I thought the Islanders were gonna make a big jump. They they didn't add anything. They didn't need to. Yeah, they did. No, they didn't. They showed in the playoffs. They did. What did they do in the playoffs? The Islanders needed to add someone. Or they needed. They to... had injuries. The Islanders missed their opportunity to make a big move this season with cap space. The Islanders have a Maybe solid young any, team. Do they have any cap space with left? Physical, did they, did they good vets. Did they use up all their cap space? No, they just yeah, but they didn't. They didn't use any of it. They just so had. Well, no, they spent. They spent half of it on uh, Anders Lee. Yeah, he's the captain. Great, yeah, great third line left wing you out there, tipping some pucks. Yeah, he's gonna push around Jack Hughes. I I just I don't see the Islanders being any better than the last. I year. like the Rangers, Capo Caco and Artemi like Panarin. Who plays defense for the Rangers? Uh, Jacob Truba. So, a worse Tory Krug is your number one D-man. Yeah. And who, don't we have Shattenkirk? Shattenkirk is bad. <laughs> Shattenkirk's done. Shattenkirk's time passed years ago. He's done. I think Capococco's going to have a great year. Devils are going to surprise Devils a lot of people. Devils missed out on Capococco. Devils are going to surprise a lot of people this year. Devils needing to center on a left wing. I like the pick. Jack Hughes, they're playing the long game. Moving on? Yeah. All right, moving on to the MLB. Over the weekend, big series for the Red Sox and Yankees. Bigger for the Red Sox, more than the Yankees. Red Sox ended up winning the first three games quite comfortably. Uh, winning 19-3 uh, Thursday night, killing Masahiro Tanaka. Seven, innings in the, seven runs in the first inning. Friday night, Andrew Kashner pitched well. Red Sox won that one. I think it was like 10-5 or something. Saturday, they won again. Around the same score. I don't know. What was the exact score on Saturday? Uh, Saturday. Uh, Saturday was 9-5. to five. Yeah, same thing. And then Sunday night, looking for the sweep. Chris Sale did not pitch very well. Uh, Yankees avoided a sweep and won 9-6. to six. A lot of... I think this is a big week for the Red Sox. They had a series with the Rays before. They took 2 out of 3. Then they just took 3 out of 4 against the Yankees. And then they play the Rays and the Yankees again this week. 3 at home against the Rays. Uh, 4 on the road against the Yankees over the weekend, including a doubleheader. Right now, the Red Sox, I think, are a game out from the wild card spot. So, what do you think about the series this week again? This weekend against the uh, Yankees, would you feel? 
Uh, does it make you more confident in the Red Sox ability to make the playoffs it, this year? It, it does make me more confident in the Red Sox. Definitely huge for them. Uh, they're still nine games back of the Yankees. So I think the division's over. I don't think anybody's really worried about that right now. Uh, but they're only a half game back of the Rays now, which is big. Um, that 19-3 win was huge. Twitter was pretty uh, excited about that one. Twitter was going crazy. Red Sox Twitter is actually pretty big. I don't it Red is. Red Sox is. Twitter is very, very popular. But yeah, 19-3. Big win, and they followed it up 10-5, like you said. Um, just, yeah, great weekend for the Sox. Does make me more confident in them. I was not very confident in them a few weeks ago. Um, but Mookie Betts, is, he's he's on fire. He had three home runs in Friday night's yeah. game in the first three at-bats. Yeah, that was, Mookie Betts is looking like MVP Mookie Betts again. That's big for the Sox. Um, yeah, I'm definitely more confident in them. They still, I mean, they gave up a lot of runs in, most of the, in three of these games still. Yeah, but the Pitching's Yankees... not there. Not a, I think both teams are fra- flawed a little bit. I mean, the Yankees, they they need a pitcher. We'll get to the pitchers later that have been traded or that could be traded, but the Yankees, they're not going to win a World Series with the starting pitching. I mean, you you can't be giving up 19 runs in a game. and Their <laughs> bullpen is supposed to be one of the best in the league. I think it's a little bit overrated, but, I mean, you can't trot out CC Sabathia in a playoff game and expect to win. I don't he, know how that guy's still, in, still playing professional sports. I mean, they don't really have, like, a true number one pitcher or an ace. Yeah. And, I don't know, you just need you need better starting pitching. And I think that's what's going to let the Yankees down. Red Sox, Chris Sale's kind of still up and down a little bit. He had a couple of good starts, and then he just lost Sunday. I don't know, people are saying the Red Sox should have swept them, but, I mean, you would have taken three out of four before the series started. Yeah, got to be up with three out of four. And then, I mean, now they have the opportunity to pass the Rays in the standings. Yeah, um, I mean, you have to, I think it's all about how you follow it up now. I think they're 5-2 and two in the last seven games. I mean, you can't, in the next seven, you can't have a losing record. You can't go three and four. Four and three is okay. Five and two is probably ideal. Yeah, I agree. Um, All right. Uh, moving on to uh, maybe the Yankees missing out on Marcus Stroman. Traded to the Mets for two highly rated minor league prospect pitchers. I don't really understand what the Mets are doing right now because they're also reportedly trying to trade Noah Syndergaard and uh, Wheeler, another starting pitcher. All right. First name. I don't really remember right now, but the Mets... You're the buyers or your sellers. You can't you can't do both at the same time. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. They're six games back of the wild card. They have to pass like five teams to even get into playoffs. Probably not going to happen. They're playing a little bit better baseball of late, but that's because they've played crap teams. Their pitching is usually some of the best, but there's always like potential that they don't usually get to, and their hitting is just absolutely trash. And they're also reportedly trying to trade their closer, Edwin Diaz, who they just traded for in the offseason, and took on Robinson Cano's like $25 million contract. <laughs> And Diaz is under team control for another three years. Is not having a great year. He's a twenty-five-year-old closer who throws like a hundred miles an hour. So, I cannot understand what the Mets are doing. I have, right I have now. a theory right now that I just came up with while you were talking. So, you said they've been trying to. They've been basically shopping Syndergaard. They've been shopping Syndergaard. It seems like for the last like three years. So Syndergaard waiting the... for the perfect deal or something, or waiting for him to become a Cy Young <laughs> so they don't have to trade him. So, so make, he's in like purgatory right now. <laughs> so Syndergaard. So they're shopping Syndergaard. And they're closer. What if? But you and you say the Yankees need pitching, right? Yes. And they just picked up Stroman, who the Yankees were trying to get, right? The Yankees were, and it, it was believed that Stroman was going to the Yankees. And so, how many games out of the wild card of the Mets right now? There's six. So there's six games out. That's doable, right? You can. They can make that up if their team played above average the rest of the season when they make playoffs. I I don't think so. If, I don't think they're making the playoffs because. All right, they're. 
They have to go over Arizona, San Francisco, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, and St. Louis. And Chicago. So they have to go over 16... Oh, wait. No, Chicago doesn't count. They have to go over five teams to make the playoffs. This is not happening. This is a long shot. Well, and also, Syndergaard's under contract next year, too, right? They have him for two another years. two years. So And Stroman they only have for another one year. So after next year, he's going to become a free agent. And they got Stroman for relatively cheap. According, I was looking online, doing some research. It's it says they underpaid for Strowman. They got him for a bargain. So what if the you what have if no the idea how the Strowman has a career has, is having a career year right now. Yeah, you have but, no idea how these prospects are going to turn out. I agree, but MLB writer, MLB writers were saying that they the blue the Blue Jays could have definitely gotten more for Strowman. Maybe and they could have and should have. That's what they said. That was a quote. I don't know. I don't know. I have no. I don't know if they could have gotten more. But that's what these guys are saying. I'll trust these guys here. So what if the Mets? Putting Syndergaard in the block, their closer in the block. Have the Yankees focused on these guys? The Syndergaard's the number one trade item on the. Uh-huh. That's Syndergaard's the, the best pitcher Yankee, out there. If Yankees he's are always going to go after the best there. guy, right? It's the yes. Yankees. They're going to go after the best guy. Yankees hundred percent focused on getting Syndergaard, right? They that leaves sit, that leaves. So the Yankees aren't focused on Stroman. Mets no. go get Stroman on the low. Keep Syndergaard. Screw over the Yankees. Yankees no longer have a pitcher they can go after. They missed out on Syndergaard and Stroman because Syndergaard's not actually on the block. Smokescreen. D is actually not on the block. Smokescreen. Stroman now on the Mets. Can't get him. Now they have a good pitching core. Locked up. Stroman's free agent after this season or next season? After next season. So they have them locked up for the rest of the season. Maybe make a Cinderella playoff. Not happening. Could happen. Oakland A's. Moneyball. Never know. Uh, next season they're going to be a, they're going to have good pitching. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll make playoffs next year. It's still in the Mets. Kind of dysfunctional. Who knows what will happen, but maybe that's what they're going for. Maybe they just did this all to screw over the Yankees and assemble a decent, respectable team. Okay, so you think sell jerseys, you, sell tickets. So you're proposing that Syndergaard is not on the block and they're just roping the Yankees into fake talks, which is basically what yes. Kawhi Leonard did to the Lakers. Yes, that is my theory right now. Also, I just came up with this on the spot. Okay, that's like ten minutes, like no, like a minute ago. They could be trying to screw over the Yankees if they give the Red Sox their closer for a minor league third baseman, which the Red Sox have no use. The Red Sox for. do need a closer bad. They do. I don't know why they would ever trade Edwin Diaz, though. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, it doesn't, but it's it's a dysfunctional Mets organization that and it also, does a lot of things that don't make any sense. I don't know much about farm systems, but the Yankees have, let's just say, a top-five farm system in the MLB. So if you wanted to trade Syndergaard and get the best deal possible, you're probably going to get it from the Yankees. Do the Yankees have a, they actually have a good farm system? Yes. I mean, yeah. I guess, I mean, but at the same time, the Mets... Why, why are the Mets from caring what I, about from the Yankees? From what I've read, the Mets owners care more about selling jerseys and tickets than re- they don't want to go through a rebuild it doesn't seem like even though I mean so they're just going to be stuck in the middle their whole, the whole time yeah but that sells you either buy that or sells enough sell. tickets and jerseys you can't buy and sell in the same time the owners apparently are hijacking the trademark and hijacking the organization that sells enough tickets and jerseys to uh, keep business afloat and I think that's all that really matters right now for the Mets yeah I don't take as it as an organization I don't, that's why they're dysfunctional I don't take any Mets trade rumors seriously because I have no idea what they're doing yeah. And this Strowman thing came they out. They kind of remind me of the Knicks. Left field. They kind of remind me of the Knicks. You just don't really know what's happening there. And Strowman didn't even want to go there. He wanted to go to a contender. And all of a sudden he goes from the Blue Jays, which he loved playing for the Blue Jays, to the Mets. Yeah, that, I mean, uh, he's from Long Island. Yeah, he I guess. I don't home, know. Hometown. I don't know. Hey, Mets, my theory, if my theory works, the Mets are going to be a solid team next year. If my theory is what's actually happening. Make some additions. In the yeah, and the season. Yankees are gonna be so screwed because the, the, the Yankees are gonna get played by the Mets. Oh, well, I mean, they kind of just did. If if Syndergaard doesn't get traded, and the Yankees can't acquire a decent pitcher, and they have to overpay for some mediocre guy, 
and it's not enough, and they lose in the playoffs to the Red Sox again. Then the Yankees got played by the Mets. <laughs> if Edwin and Diaz closes out the Yankees, if Edwin Diaz closes out the Yankees in whatever mediocre pitcher they gave fifteen prospects for, for from who knows where the Marlins or something, then the Yankees got played by the Mets. This could, I mean, who knows what the Mets are doing? I don't know what the Mets are doing, but it could pay out in the long run. Yeah, we'll we'll <laughs> see what the Mets' long run future is. I mean, what happens if you lose Stroman after one year? I don't know. Doesn't doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No, it doesn't. But <laughs> maybe they want him long term. Maybe Stroman's the franchise. I don't know. Also, why don't why don't the Red Sox trade for Syndergaard? They don't have the prospects or the farm system to get him. We're out of prospects. Yes. What the about, only um, prospects you can trade is like... He drafted a pitcher in the first round a few years ago. He's he's pretty good. He was the number one ranked pitcher. He was supposed to go first overall. I was watching that draft like three years ago. Yeah, I don't know. You can't really tell the pitchers. I don't know. But Diaz, Red Sox are interested in? Yes. And they and if you they give up, if you give up a pros, if you give up like a third base prospect, because like Devers is your, already your everyday third baseman, so you can give up like a, a third baseman right. that's a high, high third baseman prospect. Oh, well, the Red Sox need to do that quick. I think the Mets are on board. Dombrowski needs to get on it. Dombrowski needs to get on it. Yeah. All right. Moving on to another trade target was Trevor Bauer. If you haven't seen it, you have to YouTube Trevor Bauer. It's like the first video that pops up. It's like a breakdown of him. In the end, he's he's pitching for the Indians. 5-3 lead in the fifth inning against the Royals. Just has a terrible inning. What could go wrong went wrong for him. Called third strike calls he didn't get. Bloopers. (laughs) Like three bloopers in the innings. Outfielders losing the ball in the sun. Bottom line is he gave up four runs. Royals took the lead 7-5. Francona comes out to pull him, and he pretty much takes the baseball, and from just off the pitcher's mound, chucks the ball over the center field wall. And, yeah, it just wasn't the best look. Bad look. We, Mel- it was like a Little League meltdown. Like a- in, in the end, he apologized before he took any questions from the media. Apologized for his actions for like a minute and a half. And the Indians have been playing better lately. I don't. He's under team control for another year, so after this year they keep him. If a team wants a starting pitcher, I think he's he's a good pitcher. I think he's got good stuff. But I don't know. It's a bad look for the team that trades for him because now you just took a guy who just his last start. He was chucking the he ball over the center field looked, fence. When Francona told him to go back to the dugout, he started. When Francona yelled at him and told him to go back to the dugout. He looked like a little kid. It literally reminded me of like a t-ball thing. It looks like a, a kid throwing a temper tantrum at t-ball. Seeing him get a big league chew or something. I guess that's his personality. He's a fierce competitor. He was no. He's throwing a temper tantrum. It's not fierce competitor. He's a Poor sport. He's a little kid. Come on, he needs to grow up. The difference between being mad because you're losing and chucking a ball over something. Like, I mean, like, you don't uh, think that shows passion? Show passion by throwing the throwing the ball down the plate. <laughs> Strike somebody out for once. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think if the in- I don't think the Indians should trade him. I mean, they're right in the they're not they're gonna make the wild card game, and most likely they even have a chance to win the division. They're not going to win a World Series. Yeah, what happened to the Indians? The Indians were very good like a year ago. They're right now. They're the first team in the wild card, and they're two games back of the Twins. They would, they, they're not going to get any better by trading Trevor Bauer. Doesn't. Yeah. They've um, been playing better baseball. Playing, I don't know why they would trade him. And now, even if they do trade him, they're going to get less for him than they would before after you threw the ball over the center field fence. Is he so a free he's basically after this year. After next year, uh-huh. and they should keep him then. I think they should keep him too and try and make a World Series run, but. If he does get straighted, he kind of screwed the Indians off over by... Yeah, that was chucking, a bad look for him. Chucking the ball over the center field fence. Yeah, it was funny. Bad look for him, though. I mean, he could have he hurt somebody in another ballpark, maybe, if there was somebody right over center field. 
Yeah. I mean, you could easily lose that ball. You don't expect a pitcher <laughs> to throw a ball yeah. over the center field fence. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're right. I don't know. That's, I, the Francona yelling at him part and pointing to the dugout and him walking back with his head down. He looked like a little, like, I don't What's know. What's he going to do with Fenway? Throw the ball over the green monster? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Whoever's training for Trevor Bauer, maybe a little bit of a head case. A maybe. little bit. He's got pretty good stuff. I don't know. He's he's definitely, he'd be the best pitcher in the Yankees if he Seems if like he Yankees material. Yankees, it seems like Yankees material to me. And he has a job to do to win over the fan, new fans that he goes to. Yeah. So, yeah, MLB trade deadline, I think, is Wednesday or tomorrow. I think it's, I don't know, one of the two days at, like, 5 o'clock. It's going to be interesting to see where all these pitchers go and if the Yankees get anybody because I don't think the Yankees can win the World Series with the pitching that they have. Their lineup is stacked. Could win every game 15-14. I don't think you can do that in the playoffs. Football. I think the Red Sox would be a very tough out for them if they if the Red Sox made it past the wildcard game. Yeah. All right. That's fair. Moving on. Yeah. All right. So the NCAA came out with its top twenty five preseason rankings for college football uh, for next season. Uh, this week. So yeah, uh, we disagree with a lot of the picks. Um, th- we're gonna have a college football preview episode coming up, but there's just this came out this week, so we're gonna talk about it quickly. Uh, what do you think of the rankings? Yeah, a couple things stand out to me. I'll go. I'll start at the top. Uh, Clemson, Bama, one, two. That's fine. Three, Ohio State. I disagree with this. I think Ohio State hasn't been in the playoff the last two years. I don't. They've just lost Urban Meyer, probably maybe top five coach right now, maybe top five all time, and their starting quarterback is a kid who has never. Plate, who's never started a college football game in his career. I know that they've probably they have great talent or whatever, but I don't think Ohio State should be three over Georgia, who's been to the college football championship, or Oklahoma, who's been in it the last two years. So I would probably put Ohio State five. I don't think Ohio State's three. There's a lot of question marks. I mean, they have a head coach who, yes, quarterback hasn't started a game at quarterback in his college football career. Head coach who hasn't coached in a college football game in his career as a head coach. Actually, yeah. he did three. He did, he did three games before, but I mean that's basically Urban Meyer telling him what to do. So yeah, now right. he's got the reins. I just I'm not sold on Ohio State. Their defense was pretty trash last year. I mean they can only get better. I'm sure they'll have skill position players, but I'm not sold on this quarterback. I don't know if their offense is going to get any better. Right? They lose. They lost Paris Campbell. He's their number one wideout. They lose their QB, obviously Haskins. Fields is like a. I mean he's like one of the highest rated recruits of all time. So he the highest pretty, later recruit of all time gets you number three preseason ranking? That's what I'm saying. I, I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing that they should not be that high. Like, But that's... I think you have to be in I don't, college football. I think most of this is based off of past history. Preseason rankings. Basically what you did last year and maybe a little bit what you did the year before. I think Georgia's had two better seasons in the yeah, last two I don't, years I don't than think, Ohio State. I think they should base preseason rankings off last season unless you're... T- and like, adjust for how much... If your team lost a ton of players, your team should be downgraded and... If your team was very young, you should be upgraded. But I don't I think mean, Ohio they, State really. They lost. Ohio State they, lost a, they lost a lot of guys on offense, and didn't they added Justin Fields, who's never started a game. And Justin Fields was a player that couldn't get into the number four team in the country, Georgia. You're so right. The number yeah, four team in the country, up. the quarterback, and the number four team in the country, basically just hands Ohio State a quarterback because Georgia should they be ranked above no Ohio use, State easily, yes. without question, one hundred percent. Oklahoma should they've made the back been back to back playoffs. Although Jaylen, they, I mean Oklahoma lost Kyler, but they added just or they added uh, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, who, who, who's won a national championship. Hey, all right, yeah, I'm, 
Yeah, Oklahoma and Georgia should be higher. And That's then, about it. Ohio State at five, maybe. But you can't make you can make an argument for ND to be higher. We're very biased here, but ND made the playoff last year. Ohio State didn't. ND's returning the entire offense other than Miles Boykin, but they're replacing him with Kevin Austin, who was one of the highest rated receivers. I think receivers. it's a toss-up. I mean, even in a bad season for Ohio State, they did win the Rose Bowl. I think right. they're a worthy fifth team. We're going to talk about ND's ranking, too, because that's just a bad ranking. ND at six would probably be better. ND should not be tenth. We'll see. I mean, we'll, 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 get, we'll go down the list. We'll talk about that in a second. Next, I want to talk about Michigan at six. That is, as usual... Annually, it's like a tradition at this point that Michigan gets ranked way too high in the preseason every year just to underperform and suck and prove that they're not a very good team with not a very good head coach. And all they can do is win recruitings, recruiting rankings. They're not even good at recruiting them really anymore. They were good at recruiting when Harbaugh first got hired. And now all they do, they're middle of the pack recruiters. They're like, I don't, I don't understand this ranking at all. And they lost their two best defensive players. <laughs> and all they got back is Shea Patterson, a guy that can only throw four-yard outs. Michigan is not a good football team. No, their offense is terrible. All they do is run the ball on first and second their down. Their offensive game plan every single year, year after year, that never works is throw four-yard outs <laughs> or run it up the middle into a stacked box that will just shut the run down. And they, they get two yards of play. They can't <laughs> convert on third down to save their lives. They have no O-line ever. Their QB always gets, their QB's always getting lit up behind the line. Always. You always see a Michigan QB getting lit up, and then they can't recruit. Rec- all they do is they can't recruit QB- QBs. They can't recruit wide receivers. Their wide, their number one wideout's like a converted quarterback. Their number one tight end, I guess. I don't know. And then they can't recruit running backs, and their own line's not very good. And th- their offensive system doesn't fit the players that they have. It just doesn't. I don't know. There's no explosiveness in the offense. No explosiveness. Harbaugh's not a very good coach. Harbaugh can't win a big game. His offensive game plan's a joke. And the defense just lost Rashawn Gary, the best recruit Michigan's ever gotten, I think. And Chase Winovich. And Rashawn Gary's one of the best defensive players. And Michigan's even with had. their best defense ever, they couldn't. Ohio State dropped 63 points on them. Yes, and Florida dropped 45 in the bowl game. Right, so Michigan. And ND, Brandon Whip, ND's backup QB and backup running back. Put up like 21 in the first quarter or something yeah, like that. Yeah, Chris Fink. Chris Fink. Catching bombs. Moss, they're one and two DBs. <laughs> 50 yards in the end zone. I mean, they've never won the Big Ten. And they've never won a Rose Bowl. They never really won a big bowl game. They got killed in the bowl. They got they lost the three <laughs> biggest games they played last I, year. ND, Ohio State, they, and Florida. I can't even think of a reason to put Michigan number six. Unless you think Shea Patterson is Tom Brady, but better. And he's just not. Shea Patterson's not a good quarterback. I mean, I'm kind of discounting it. The system also plays a part in it. You don't really see what Shea Patterson can do when... He's all, afraid to get hit, too. He's afraid to get hit. Afraid to throw the ball more than three yards on the field. Afraid to throw the ball over the middle. He only throws, like, four-yard outs. That's all they do. That's the only time they throw the ball. Maybe the It's rank, tough to watch. Maybe the NCAA is uh, feeling a Dylan McCaffrey move, big move. Maybe, if, uh, yeah, we can talk about this in the college football preview episode, or maybe we'll have, like, a Michigan hate episode. But I think Dylan McCaffrey's the best quarterback on Michigan. It's not close. <laughs> against ND, when, or I think they put him in against ND right at the end of the game. Yeah. Yeah, that was the only time the offense moved the ball. Dylan McCaffrey's a good player. He just broke his collarbone and got screwed there. All right. Um, so we think Notre Dame should just be up at six? I think ND at six would be a good ranking. If you had Clemson, Bama, Georgia, Oklahoma, Ohio State, ND. Ohio State and ND interchangeable. LSU at seven. And then Florida at eight. Florida's eighth. Well, Texas, I was given... We can keep Texas nine. I mean, they beat Georgia. 
Texas nine. And there, and then put Michigan at ten. That's basically where they are. I would. I mean, you can make it. You can make an argument they should be lower. Lower, to be honest, they're just not a very good football program anymore. I don't care what anyone says. They can beat up on the mediocre Big Ten teams that are also overrated all, all they want. Uh, and they then, can't win a big game. And then somehow Nebraska finds themselves 20th in this list. Nebraska <laughs> started the season like 0-7 last year. Yeah. I don't... How, how are they number set, How are they number 20? Well, did they just forget teams or what happened there? No, I, I don't know. Scott Frost, I, I guess. They're big believers in Scott Frost. But Nebraska was not good last year. I don't know. They, I really have no explanation for Nebraska. And they lost to Colorado, high. Troy, lost to Michigan by 46, lost to Purdue, lost to Wisconsin, lost to Northwestern. They beat Minnesota, Bethune-Cook University, uh, lost by five against Ohio State, beat Illinois, beat Michigan State 9-6, to six, and lost to Iowa. Somehow, after all of that, they're ranked twentieth. <laughs> but their best win is a nine to six win over Michigan State. Yeah, I and Michigan State's ranked twenty second, and they weren't very good last year either. Um. Yeah. No. Nebraska being on this list is a joke. That's just, that's just bad. It feels like the people that make these rankings didn't actually watch college football. Sometimes it just I don't know. It's bad. It's I don't understand. I don't understand it, and I don't think Nebraska's getting any higher than twentieth this season in the rankings. Uh, same with Michigan at six. Don't think they're getting any higher than six. I think it's all downhill from here for both teams. Um, I also want to talk about Florida a little bit at eight. I think Florida is Florida's my sleeper team this year. Just wanted to say that now. They're my dark horse candidate to win a national championship. I'm all in on Florida. If ND's not, if ND doesn't win it, I want Florida to win it. Uh, I think the Gators are a very good team this year. Just want to let that everyone know that. We'll talk about it more in the college football previews. But yeah, Florida's. I'm big on Florida this year. I think they're gonna be very good. Um, also, notable absence from the list: USC. They were very bad last year. But still USC. Last year they had like a 17 year old QB starting, JT Daniels. Yes. One of the most hyped recruits in a while at quarterback. It's going into his second year. They always had. They're they have very talented team. So they're kind of in a situation that Texas was or is still in, I guess, where they get nasty recruits and suck. Um, I think they beat Nebraska head to head, and their fans are like field. pissed, but they still go to the games. I think they beat Nebraska yeah, head to head on neutral field. That's what I'm saying. Would you really rank Nebraska, Boise State, Northwestern? I mean, Northwestern was Throw very Missouri good last in there. Year. Missouri's terrible. Missouri, so, Missouri's not didn't very. Didn't they good. lose their QB too? Drew Locke? Missouri doesn't. Missouri didn't look good against. Yeah, they did lose their QB. So now they have a, a backup quarterback, and and yeah. And they're playing in SEC West, I believe. And Iowa lost their tight ends, like their nasty tight ends that carried them. Yes, they did. So I don't know how Iowa was ranked 18th. I mean, you have to go, like, seems like some of these teams, they're basing it off, they were good last year, so they must be good this year, even though they lose a lot of bunch of players. And other teams, they're like, oh, well, they're, they this... were bad last year, but they should, I don't know, it makes no sense. It's weird. I don't know. But USC, I think, I don't know, like, teams like, like there's some teams, I can't, I can't think of off the top of my head, but. Just looking at this, no USC. No Washington State, Coach Leach. There is Coach no, Leach yeah, would run Washington over State Nebraska. was very good last year. Actually, speaking well, speaking of that state, Washington, Univers- University of Washington is ranked 14th. Uh, they're usually ranked wicked high preseason the last few years. It's been a trend. They've always been ranked like, I think last year they were ranked top. They were top, they were like 6th in week 1 and lost yeah, to Auburn. I, I, I'm not big on Washington football, never have been. They're a Pac-12 team, not big on the Pac-12. It's a conference. They don't. 
they just don't play. They always the Pac-12 beats each other up, and they don't play great defense, so it doesn't work out well. Um, but Washington football, they lose their running back, their star running back, Miles Gaskin, in the draft. He was like a seventh round pick, you know. He was he was really productive there. Um, do they still have their quarterback? I think so, and he's terrible. I don't know. Yeah, Washington football kind of peaked. I feel like when they had like Dante Pettis. I don't know. They're they're not Washington football. They're kind of only kind of good because of their bad competition. I'm just glad they're not ranked top ten anymore. But fourteen still might be high. <laughs> and Utah at fifteen. I guess Utah is supposed to be a sleeper team this year. A lot of experts like Utah this year. They're ranked fifteenth. So look out for Utah, I guess. But let's be honest: is Utah football, Utah football ain't making the college football playoff unless they win the Pac-12 and go undefeated, which is possible because the Pac-12 is pretty overrated. There's a lot of. I don't know. Utah can win 10 games, but they're not going to win more than that. That's what I'm saying. I don't think... I don't know. 15 is fine for Utah. Um, Wisco at 16. They're going to run the ball up the middle 75 times a game again. I think they don't have their quarterback anymore, though. Hornybrook's gone. Wisconsin? Yeah. Hornybrook transferred into, like, Does that matter? Does that matter? Do they throw the ball? No, but that that (laughs) lefty... high formation. That lefty is gone. Follow the fullback. That's all they do. Run it up the middle. So of these twenty five, the, the most valuable player. Of these twenty five teams, how many are going to stay in the last rankings? How many of these top twenty five teams do I think are going to stay? Maybe fifteen. I mean, I think everyone in the top, everyone in the top ten, other than uh, Texas. I don't. I I have a hard time putting my faith in Texas and Michigan, but like they probably will be ranked top twenty five at the end of the year as long as they win their bowl game, because ranking systems love them. Um, I don't like Jimbo Fisher, so I'm just gonna pretend that A and M's gonna be bad this year. I don't know. Uh, I don't think all these Pac-12 teams can stay here. I don't know. Probably, probably like ten or like there's only like ten safe bats to stay. Maybe like ten, ten to twelve, ten to fifteen. Yeah. But like really, like a lot of these teams at the bottom of the rankings: Boise State, Northwestern, Mizzou, Michigan State. Virginia Tech, Nebraska, they're all, I don't know, it's all questionable. Yeah, it's up in the air. I don't know. That's all I got. I guess whichever team goes 4-7 and seven this year and beats Michigan State by 9-6 to six is going to be in the rankings to start the next season off. Yeah, probably. That's the, that's the criteria. That is the criteria. Michigan at 6 is by far the worst in my opinion, though. It's even worse than Nebraska at 20. Right. All right. <laughs> that's it for today's episode. All right, be sure to follow us on Twitter at bias underscore underscore opinion. Uh, we'll post every time we have a new uh, episode out. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening. We'll be back with more later this week.